0: That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar Sinai. The Weekend Warrior show with Dr. Clapper presented by Cedar Sinai.
1: Hey Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer.
0: <laughs> yes, doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper.
1: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors so excited each and every Saturday to be with you and thanks for telling your family and your friends Steve Paulette keeps telling me the Facebook page is setting records of people downloading the podcast it's just a beautiful thing I get so excited I'm working all week seeing patients doing surgeries but to be able to share the meaning of life as you and I search together for what it is with a new topic each and every Saturday for 12 years, over 500 shows. Trust me, I ain't getting burnt out. I ain't getting bored. It's the opposite. I just cannot wait to get up after a long day in the operating room on Friday. I can't wait to get up to be here on Saturday with you to talk about Clapper Vision, food, and what the guest is going to bring. At 8.15... Dr. Daniel Carazzi is going to be my guest, and I'm so excited to talk to him. He's an orthopedic surgeon, and he was with the Lakers from 2000 to 2017. He's still in practice, but he got to see Kobe mature, evolve. And I've been thinking about it since I booked the date with him. Well, the week before last, I was surfing every day in Hawaii, came home, and on the plane, I decided, you know what? I never get time to go to the movies. This is my chance. I plug in a movie called House of Gucci. It was okay. It's not like I'm recommending it. And at the end of the movie, the last scene, no dialogue anymore, the last scene of the movie, and I'm not going to ruin it for you, I'm minding my own business with the headphones on, and all of a sudden, I hear this. Words. Tracy Chapman, you remember her?
2: Like, so she's singing something for the
1: movie, but then this happens. Oh my god, this is the greatest opera singer of all time. Hometown of Modena in the year
2: 2000. The right
1: He's making a benefit concert Ooh, right for Tibet and invites Tracy Chapman. She's on one side of the stage with her guitar, quietly standing there with the biggest smile on her face because she cannot believe that this little song that she wrote in her room one night on a yellow piece of paper with her tape recorder, her pen, and her guitar, is being embraced and being sung and recognized as an operatic aria by the greatest opera singer of all time. Here's more. Can I hold you to my
2: shima Words don't
1: come in? These two me. worlds colliding in my like earfold. I
2: love you. I love you.
1: All I could think about was hearing him tell us at 8.15 what it was like to be with a prodigy, a Tracy Chapman in sports, Kobe Bryant. Because guess what? That expert, that greatest of all time singer recognizing the prodigy in Tracy Chapman and her talent and her song is exactly what happened with Kobe and Jerry West. Jerry West decides that this 17-year-old is better than any NBA player he's ever seen. It's the exact same story. But how do you not ruin it as a prodigy? A lot of people are born with God-given talents and and do nothing with it. And that's when I realized there's a similarity between me here and Tracy Chapman and Pavarotti Singh and the career of Kobe Bryant, which started this way. You
3: know, it wasn't like this was some great discovery because people knew who he was. At that time, uh, it wasn't in vogue to tape. 17 year old kids. And uh, we were having a workout, and his agent, Arn Tellum, and I have been longtime friends. And he said, uh, I'd like, he wants to come and work out with some of these players that were going to be hired, taken in a draft, everyone thought.
1: So Jerry West says, Okay, young fella, Michael Cooper, you're retired six years, but before you retired, you were the best defensive player in the NBA this kid thinks he's good let's meet in the Inglewood gymnasium so Kobe
3: wanted to come back again and work out for us and uh... So Arne called me and said he's been town here and he wants to work out so I brought Michael Cooper in and I think some of you people know who Michael Cooper is yes. one of the great defenders we've had in our league and so we wanted him to play with well, Kobe Bryant and see what it looked like well After 10 minutes, I said, stop this, okay? He was embarrassing Michael, and I told Michael, I said, man, you retired soon enough.
1: And here's what Jerry West feels about a prodigy that he saw in Kobe Bryant. But he was uniquely
3: different. Let me tell you why he was different. he always talked about this mamba mentality. He didn't have to create that. It was already there. And to watch him search out information, to watch him want to find some way to get better every year. And I spent four years of my life watching this. And I made a trade with the Miami Heat. I traded Eddie Jones, who was an all-star player.
1: The reason why, Kobe Bryant needed to start. Kobe Bryant needed to start. Are you crazy, Jerry? You're getting rid of Eddie Jones? I remember him, Nick Van Exel. Those were amazing teams, amazing, talented players. But they ain't Kobe Bryant. But it isn't that he was great at 17. A prodigy is Mozart. A prodigy is when you're six or you're eight years old and you're great. So listen to Kobe Bryant himself tell you what it was like for him Himself to be six years old. Um,
4: I sit and watch games with him. And was so, he your first coach? Um, yeah, man. I guess you could say that. You know, a lot of things I learned by being just being around the game. Mm-hmm. Right. So by the age of six, I was already strategizing versus other six-year-olds. Mm. You know, the age of six, I figured out six-year-olds couldn't dribble with their left hand. And so I <laughs> said, lot, okay, a lot
1: of
5: a lot of twelve-year-olds can't dribble with their. Well, left yeah,
4: hand. Well, yeah. Well, imagine six. So like, yeah. when I was playing these six-year-old kids. I would make them dribble with their left because I knew they couldn't. <laughs> and so they dribble off their foot, I'd pick it up,
1: lay it up. The rest of that soundbite is Kobe saying, I scored 63 points as a six-year-old in a game. He didn't change. He's the same Mamba. When he's 17 and throughout his career, he learned how to use the God-given prodigy talent and not mess it up and build on it. Listen to Tracy Chapman. I started
2: writing songs when I was eight years old. What? I've been writing songs since I was eight years old. Since that time, my songwriting process has changed. I mean, there's some things that are still consistent. Uh, It's fairly simple in terms of the tools. I always have a notepad and a recorder, tape recorder, and a pen or a pencil on my guitar. I mostly write on the guitar. But uh, when I first started writing, I thought that... um, the idea that you know came to me initially was the one that needed to be written on the page that you know it needed to be pure and direct um and so i i was prolific (laughs) i mean i i wrote a lot of songs when i was younger you know like with more regularity and of course i had less to do in my life um but i think it was in part because that was my approach um, to not edit. That's the key. She kept it fresh. Don't you know that talking about a revolution sounds. And, you know, I mean, the song like Talking About a Revolution came out of a process like that. But um, as time has gone by, I've taken a, a more rigorous approach to my writing. You know, and always wanting to be clear and, um, you know, wanting the songs to have um, emotional weight. Um,
1: if you could hear Kobe Bryant, may he rest in peace, still talk about how he evolved,
2: this is what it would be sounding like. Wanting to, you know, have it tell a story if that's what's, you know, um, called for in a way that's um, economical Um, and so I've I've taken you know more care with the words I choose and and I edit myself Um, it's a more discerning process but it's one that requires balance because I think you, you need that initial inspiration that's the spontaneity of that which normally Brings out these ideas or associations that are unusual. And that's often the thing that makes that particular song unique. So you can't kill it (laughs) by then just overworking it. Um, So it's a balance. And, and you know, sometimes I feel like I'm I'm good at striking the right balance. Um, Young girl who's now 58, so she ain't so young anymore.
1: You did pick the perfect balance. Enough for Luciano Pavarotti to tell you in so many words. You're so fantastic that I'm going to sing your song with you in Italian. Just like Jerry West saying to Michael Cooper, you're great, Michael Cooper, but you can't guard Kobe Bryant and he's only 17. What was that evolution like, that maturation like? Coming up next, we're going to learn from a man who spent a lot of time side-by-side with Kobe Bryant, the great Dr. Daniel Carrazi. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better
0: way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. And don't miss Mason in Ireland, back Monday at 1 on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant.
1: Oh, my God.
4: That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm too much scheidenfreuding. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
1: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm so excited to talk to my next guest, the great lonely. Dr. Daniel Carazzi. Daniel, thanks so much for waking up early to be with us.
5: My, pe- my pleasure, Robbie. How are you?
1: Very good. So are you enjoying the uh, analogy between Kobe Bryant and Tracy Chapman?
5: <laughs> I loved it. I mean, how can I follow that introduction? with Luci- Luciano Pavarotti, one of my favorites, and Tracy Chapman, my wife's favorite? It's almost like it was a setup for me. I really appreciate it, Robbie.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not recommending the movie necessarily, but, man, am I recommending going on YouTube and watching that song being sung by both Tracy Chapman and Pavarotti. But of all the things that we can get into, and man, we can get into a lot, and I cannot wait, about your career and the Lakers and Kobe, before we begin, I want the audience to know who you are. So tell us, where'd you grow up? What'd your father do for a living? Where'd you go to high school, college, med school, and why, of all the things you could do, did you pick orthopedic surgery?
5: so um, I love how you asked that question of all your guests and I you know I really um, appreciate <laughs> that about you I think family and background is key. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in LA I went to William Howard Taft High School in Woodland Hills
2: Wow
5: um, subsequently so went to UCLA mm-hmm. from UCLA I went to medical school at UCSF mm-hmm. um, and I was fortunate enough to get into the Harvard program um, in Boston where wow. I actually met Luciano. Um, and, um, I did a seven year residency. As you know, I love what you said about HSS because I was one of seven guys at Harvard and I was looking around, uh, with a friend of mine, Brett Taylor, and we said the same exact thing as your buddy, Dan. And you said, (laughs) we said, what are we doing here? Our, Our colleagues were all sons of chiefs of orthopedics at Mass General, <laughs> Brigham and Women's, Beth Israel, and it was Brett and I who were the standouts. So I got lucky enough to be in that program, great training. Mm-hmm. Um, then I came back and did uh, two fellowships at Curlin and Job and subsequently stayed on, and that was 22 years ago. Wow. Um, so I've been blessed to have a great career and great colleagues just, you know, like you and many of my partners and many orthopedic surgeons around, and I truly feel like we are blessed to do what we do. We have great patients, we have great colleagues, and we can make huge differences in people's lives. Literally take them from not walking like you do with hips and knees, or I do with ACLs and meniscal tears and things Mm -hmm. like that, and have people have an amazing life. So, we are truly blessed but i appreciate the background and as far as my dad goes he was not in medicine he was a businessman uh-huh. but my uncle was a rheumatologist raised oh. in france and i used to go to the office with him when i was a little kid and i just got an interest in medicine back then and you know because of rheumatology and sports i decided to become a orthopedic surgeon wow so- what's the sport that you played I played football for one season at Taft when I was in tenth grade, but I I, retrospectively I got a concussion (laughs) and I didn't even know what it was at the time. But that was the end of my sporting career. (laughs) But my sports the limit of my sports was my dad taking us to a Lakers game once a season in the eighties and I was I was a huge Lakers fan and lucky enough when I joined Carlin Job Um, As you know, my partner, Steve Lombardo, had taken care of the Lakers for 30-plus years. And he was kind generous enough to tell me, you know, help me. So in 2000, I started helping him by covering, you know, 5, 10 games for him. And then by the time we were done, um, he and I basically were covering probably 90-10. 90% was me and 10% was Steve. But he was a great mentor, and um, I was fortunate enough that, you know, I trained with him and, um, you know, got into the Lakers organization, which I'm sure, as you know, is a phenomenal organization right. um, just from top to bottom.
1: Well, of all the things that we can talk about, Daniel Carazi, the one I really want to focus on is the mental and physical changes, not only in a player. But particularly in Kobe, and I remember I has had, had as a guest, and you, I can't wait for you to tell me what you think about Gary Vitti, because I got to be pretty good friends with Gary Vitti and had him as a guest on the radio. And I said to him, of all the things you've learned, what is the most important thing you learned being the trainer for all those years? And he said, talent is overrated. If the player, or the, you can have talent, you can jump out of the gym, but if you don't have focus... It's all for nothing. So the mental has to equate with the physical, and that's what he admired most about Kobe. So tell us, in your opinion, Daniel, what is the evolution like, the maturation like of Kobe Bryant that you witnessed yourself?
5: Well, to start with, um, I'm extremely close with Gary. Gary and I worked together probably a hundred nights a year and well beyond that um, into, you know, literally midnight game nights where there were, you know, 40, 50 home games. And I definitely think uh, that Gary knows Kobe probably better than anybody. Kobe truly loved Gary. Um, The relationship I saw between the two of them and I, you know, it wasn't like I saw it from another building. I was in the room for Mm -hmm. hours and hours how much Kobe respected Gary and basically listened to his advice and everything he said, not just medically, but in other forms. Mm-hmm. But I really respect that about Gary. But just as you mentioned, um, don't forget, I came in when Kobe had been in the league maybe a year or two, and we were actually back at the Fabulous Forum back then. Mm-hmm. And then we came to Staples Center, and I think the way Kobe matured physically is obvious. I mean, he became an incredible competitor. But psychologically and emotionally, I think – That maturation came through his interaction with his coaches, his colleagues, from what he was when he initially came in the league with Shaq to how, for instance, he evolved into how he dealt with Powell. I I saw a tremendous maturation in that process. What I always respected about him was obviously his physical prowess, but the mental toughness that he had, I have never seen in not just athletes, but in any individual. He was so laser-focused, In every aspect of the game, his health, you know, when he injured his Achilles, I never forget, he was so focused on literally what every fiber of the Achilles looks like and what it does. Mm -hmm. And his, you know, his rehab, he worked very closely with Judy Sito, who I'm I'm sure, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, he had an incredibly good relationship with Judy. And I think the rehab through his multiple injuries over the years um, really showed me who he had become. Mm. Um, towards the end, watching him with um, Gianna and his his daughters was really just refreshing. And I'll tell you a private, personal story. Uh, Back in about 2014 or 15, uh, my sister-in-law, unfortunately, um, had a long battle with cancer, and her son um, was there when she had passed away. And Gary told Kobe that, hey, Dan's nephew's here, and he loves you, and his mom just passed away. And I never forget, Kobe goes, go get him. I want to meet him. Oh. So And, you know, as you know there's nobody who really can go into the Lakers locker room, but Kobe goes, go get, go, get, go get your nephew. So I brought him over. He took pictures with Kobe. They talked, you know, 10, 15 minutes before the game. And, you know, those are the types of things that are the personal things that, you know, most people don't see. But that, you know, that person mm. who he became in 2014-15 wasn't the same person he was in 2001 two or three so it was really a pleasure to watch him and i still can't believe we we're talking about him in the past tense because right. i feel like he's still here yeah but um those are those are the memories that i really treasure
1: you can hear it in your voice daniel it's just beautiful to hear dr ranawat was yeah. my teacher he's you know one of the, he and Insall invented the knee replacement and i was lucky enough to be at special surgery in the 80s, learning from the men who invented the knee replacement. And Ranowat taught me many things, but one of the things he taught me was the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know, which means study, Robert, study. keep Learn the literature Absolutely. and know it backwards and forwards. The eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. But this is a radio show, so I need you. The ears don't hear what the mind doesn't know. Take us through what you Dr. Karazi hears when you hear Kobe's voice and what he's really saying. We hear it one way, but I want to know what you hear. Here we go.
5: Nerf basketball. <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah. talk In about <laughs> talk about the development of the Mamba mentality, uh, the pillars, the five pillars of this Mamba mentality, and then we'll kind of break it down.
4: Well, I mean, I, overall, you know, the idea is a very simple one, and you know, the Mamba mentality simply means trying to be the best version of yourself. That's what the mentality means. It means every day you're trying to become better. And It's a constant quest, it's an infinite quest. So starting at the age of two, when I first started playing the game and on and on and on, I always ask questions. I always try to get better every single day, learn more learn You were asking more, questions more. at two? Oh dude, I was asking <laughs> questions all the time. You'd be surprised, like some people, like my kids at two could do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Right? At two, I could, dribble a basketball. I could shoot a basketball on the nerve hoop at the house, and I would go to practice with my
1: father. I would observe my father. Dr. Karazi, what do you hear when you hear Kobe speak?
5: So, uh, that's a great little quote you had from him there, but what I love what he said is, the best version of yourself and the infinite quest, Mm. that wasn't just lip service. He did that every second of every day. Mm. So, what I hear when Kobe says that is that it is not just what he was saying, he was doing it literally 24 seven. So through injuries, uh, it reminds me of an episode that I'm, which I'm sure Gary will tell you where he dis- you know I think we were playing San Antonio. he dislocated his finger, Gary reduced it on the side, and Kobe was like, "Okay, I'm ready to go back in." <laughs> so, and Gary's like, "Well, maybe you needs to sit out." He's like, oh, "I'm ready. So, Being the best version of yourself, I think, you know, he literally was built differently. I think athletes in general are built just to a different sort of uh, protoplasm. But Kobe was amazing. He, He recovered from injuries throughout his 20 years. Like nobody I've seen, he just had a mental toughness that literally showed the best version of himself, and he literally had an infinite quest to be the best he can be every minute of every day. And I can tell you that by watching him literally 50 nights a year from 7 p.m. where we would get to the arena before the game till midnight or sometimes even later when we would leave. Mm. And his quest was not just in, in um, basketball, in knowledge, I think in his personal relationships with people who he liked and he sort of valued. So that that what you just played really takes me back to those years.
1: What about the post game? How he handled the media, the mental aspects of the game. Here we go again. Listen to this soundbite and tell me what it is that you hear.
4: muy relajado, ¿no? Posso giocare il campionato con, uh, con molto più divertimento nel mio Stessa cosa, stessa cosa. Vado all'officina, lavoro, no? scrivo, le cose così. Però ritornerò sicuramente in Italia per aiutare i giovani giocare questo gioco che è bellissimo. He's
1: speaking better Italian than Pavarotti, he's speaking better Spanish than Pao Casal. What's that like? What was it like to see him interact with people, the mental aspects of being a mature adult?
5: So that's a great little sound soundbite you played there, Robbie. Because I speak three languages and it's hard. I, you know, it's incredibly hard. But this guy spoke Spanish, Italian, English. He even spoke Slovenian with <laughs> Sasha Bujicic. I which I don't even understand. But he, his mind was a sieve, and he was one of the brightest guys that I had me, ever met. I mean, he went straight from high school to playing in the NBA, and I think he never went through the college years and postgraduate education, but he was probably much smarter than people who had even finished Harvard Medical School or Harvard Law School. Mm. This guy was transitioning from languages to languages. He knew how to get into people's or his competitors' heads, and then he knew how to, you know, what you mentioned with him speaking Spanish to Pau, he knew how to sort of gel with Pau so that they played at that level and win championships. So that, to me, that soundbite you played really puts focus on who he was as, an, as, as, as a teammate. And, as uh, you know, with the focus on him, I'll tell you a different uh, story. I did um, a show about 10 years ago that I was on TV for about five seconds. Mm-hmm. So I go to the Lakers game, and wouldn't you know it, first thing he says, he says, Doc, that was a good show. Yeah! He had watched it, so That was running at like 3 a.m. And he was giving me grief about being on TV for five seconds. And I said, Kobe, you're on TV like literally 24 hours a day on every station. I was on, I was on TV for five seconds. And I'm getting some you know, grief from you. But he knew how to play it to get into your yeah. head and sort of get the best of you. So, um, uh. And that was his playful side. He really, um, he really was uh, an incredible... Uh, genius. For Daniel, word.
1: can you hold on the line? I'm going to take a break and come back. Just We'll have a short segment, but I want to ask you personally about your feelings about orthopedic surgery, the innovations, your favorite surgeries to do and why. Can you hang on the line? Absolutely. All right. We're talking to the great Dr. Daniel Carrazi. Coming up next, we're going to learn a little bit more about innovations. I want to particularly ask him about when do you repair a meniscus versus trimming a meniscus. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better
0: way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings.
4: What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Tell him Dr. Clapper sent you. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper.
0: Hey, it's
1: 7 o'clock in the morning. Forget about it there, all right? No more beer.
4: Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
1: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm so excited to talk to my good friend, Dr. Daniel Carazzi. We've got just a couple of minutes left, but I could talk to you for hours, Daniel. But I want the listeners to hear from you about what do you do with young athletes, and you take care of so many. Tell us a little bit about your thought process. When do you put stitches in a meniscus? When do you trim a meniscus? When do you leave a meniscus tear alone? Take us through your thoughts.
5: So the, the easy one is if you get an MRI that shows a meniscal tear and the patient is asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic, I'm not aggressive. I, I think you always take a step back and do the conservative stuff. I don't like corticosteroid shots and things like that. Um, strengthening is okay, uh, but generally, obviously, for the asymptomatic ones, I tend not to do much. Um, the tricky part is which ones you repair. And as you know, when they're peripheral tears which are closer to the edge of the capsule of the knee that has a good blood supply i always try to repair them um anytime there's somebody who is in their teens or 20s or 30s obviously my goal is to try to repair and maintain as much of the meniscal tissue as possible because as you know that gives you the best chance of not developing arthritis and mm-hmm. knocking on dr clapper's door <laughs> so um So my goal always is first, you know, first order of business is to repair it. But Mm -hmm. you have to be careful because the ones that you truly feel are not repairable, if you do repair it, sometimes those do not heal. Mm -hmm. And then the patient might need a second surgery. And in the back of my mind, I always want to make sure that the patient only has one successful surgery Mm -hmm. if possible. So my goal is to preserve all the healthy, healthy meniscal tissue, to repair what's repairable mm. and sometimes if you have to trim 10 20 percent i think if the patient has good underlying cartilage that patient will be okay mm. so um, conservative approaches in terms of taking meniscus out is absolutely the best way go best way to go leave as much as you can that is healthy but obviously if you have damaged meniscal tissue that can also do long-term damage
1: Well, Daniel, I was a fellow in 1988 when Dr. Curlin and Dr. Job was still alive and vibrant. And I'm just here to tell you that they would be very proud to know that you're still around doing what you're doing and making their name very proud. I want to thank you so much for coming on with us and being, you know, letting the community hear your voice and hear your philosophy and the stories of Kobe, which is great. Thanks so much for coming on with us this morning. Thank you, Robbie. Great talking to you. Okay, always a pleasure. The great Dr. Daniel Karazi. We'll take a break. Coming up next, the lines are lit up. We'll do some Clapper vision. So hang on the line. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And don't forget, talk about cross-fertilization. Two worlds coming together. What about in the world of food? This week, I had pizza in L.A., which I do all the time, but it's from Tokyo, Are you kidding? Japanese version of pizza. Go on Twitter, at Dr. Robert Clapper. You'll see a picture I put up. But where can you get it? Where's pizza from Tokyo in L.A.? Blow your mind. I'll tell you where. Coming up up next, here on the Weekend Warriors show on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip. Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. Don't miss my show, Mason and Ireland, back Monday at 1, all here on 710 ESPN.
4: What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant.
1: Forget about
4: it. You're not having surgery. This is what you're going to do. Start your weekend off right. Listen to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper.
1: Oh my God. Every single bone and joint in my body hurts right now.
4: Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
1: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. All right, let's open up the clinic. Let's do some Clapper vision. I want to take you into surgery. This week with me, tell you where that pizza's from and tell you what we're going to be doing next week. It's been so much fun. What a great show. Talking about Pavarotti, Tracy Chapman, Jerry West, and Kobe Bryant. All right, let's go. Who do you want to take first? Uh,
0: we got Will? Mike on the line.
1: Mike, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can
0: I help? Hey, good morning. God, I love your show. I, I can't get anything done on Saturday mornings because I'm always glued to the radio. <laughs> God bless <laughs> no, you, Mike. Serious. Thank you. You know, I, I work in the leadership world. I uh, impact. I've been an athlete all my life, and you—the way you frame this thing up—it's fantastic, man. Every time. <laughs> hey, uh, listen, uh, I'm
1: going to take I'm you definitely... home with me because my wife looks at me, and goes, "What the hell are you doing now?" And like, the poor thing, she has to listen to these sound bites. She goes, "What are you? What are you going to do with Pavarotti and Kobe Bryant? What are you doing?" I oh. cannot believe. <laughs> and when you, you first what, start listening to the show, you're going to go. How the hell yeah. is he going to connect the dots between Tracy Chapman and Kobe Bryant? But you know
0: what? No, 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 you've done it. And you know what? There's a song that she sings that's called If Not Now, and it's about being in the moment, being in your greatest life. Tra- Tracy Chapman. Yeah. I don't know if you can get it on there before we go but uh, today, but it's a great song about just stepping up to your life right now. Correct. And, uh, Good
1: for you, Mike. Yeah. All right, how did you become so smart? What did your father do for a living? Where did you grow up?
0: I grew up in Torrance. So I went to West High. I'm a local kid. You know, I played football, soccer, baseball. I still, I'm 59, but I act like I'm 35. <laughs> and uh, When's your birthday? And, uh, January 4th. Wow, What yeah,
1: you? what are you, you going to do? Three. What are you going to do for your 60th birthday? Now, I am turning 65 this summer, July 24th. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do for my momentous occasion. But when I turn 50 and 55, momentous birthdays for you, 60 is going to be huge. You know what I did? I went to Mount Rushmore. It's a monumental birthday. You should see a monument. Have you ever seen Mount Rushmore?
0: You know, I haven't done that yet. I'm going to actually get on the road for a few months, and I'm finishing writing a couple of books. And... And uh, putting together a script, and uh, I mean, I'm I've just started dreaming.
1: You know, I mean, <laughs> do me a favor, do, and you'll you'll yeah. remember me by me telling you this. Go to Mount Rushmore in Rapid City, South Dakota. You can fit okay. the Statue of Liberty into George Washington's nose. You don't need to go right? to Egypt to see the pyramids. We got our own pyramids right here. And Guts, yeah. Guts and Borglin, the sculptor. They saved the studio that he made scale models of the sculptures so that the miners and ranchers that he made into artists, over 400 of these guys, he turned them into artists, they have the studio, not one fatality, not one serious injury. How did he turn these men into artists? It will blow your mind to see Mount Rushmore. So make sure you do that for your monumental. Uh, I birthday. can't wait
0: to see that. Yeah, it's one of, the, one of the few things I have not seen. But I've been up in the crown of the Statue of Liberty like four times. Wow. wow. So i, I got I to All right, what you that. do to
1: yourself? How can I help you, Michael.
0: Well, I've always played sports since I was a kid, soccer and stuff. And about 15 years ago, I had a little meniscus tear in my right knee. Dr. Giacobetti took care of it. He cleaned it up, got me back going. And then I fell down this last year um, on, on my stairs and kind of landed on my knee. So I had arthroscopic surgery about six weeks ago, and we thought it was a meniscus tear. And he said there was no meniscus tear but what you have is you have um, arthritis, and your your he he showed me the pictures. He was he cleaned the chips of uh, the cartilage out of my knee, cleaned it up, and everything like that. But uh, uh, it's taken me forever. I don't know why it's taken me six weeks. But I've had so much pain from yeah, the two insertions he did.
1: You're gonna you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be in trouble here. So let me explain a little bit why. My dad uh, was a carpenter, so I'm going to apologize, but the Clapper vision I'm going to give you uh, comes from the world of carpentry, if you don't mind. Let's go into your kitchen right now and look not at the stove, not at the sink, not at the refrigerator, but look at your feet and look at the floor you're walking on. Let's uh, pretend that floor is linoleum, a plastic surface that's glued to some plywood. That basically okay. allows your kitchen to be waterproof. If you spill things, you can scoop stuff up. So the linoleum is the surface glued to the wood that's underneath the floorboards. When okay. you do meniscus surgery, particularly in 20-year-olds or 30-year-olds, just like Dr. Karazi was talking about, the linoleum in your knee, the surface, is famously called the meniscus. It's a type of cartilage that... The same stuff your ear and your nose is made of. The discs in your lower back—it's called fibrocartilage. It's a very rubbery type of cartilage that we're given, and there actually are meniscus uh, cushions in other joints. People don't realize, but the little finger, the pinky side of your wrist, there's a there's a meniscus. Uh, in that joint where your forearm meets your wrist. There's a little meniscus that lives there. It's called the triangular fibrocartilage, not on the thumb side, but on the little finger side of your wrist. Between your collarbone, your clavicle, and the tip of your shoulder, the acromion, guess what? There's a meniscus that lives there too. So it's not just in your knee, but it's primarily in your knee. And the shape of the meniscus on the big toe, the medial side, is very different than the meniscus that's on the lateral side the little toe side of your knee um, the okay. shape makes a difference but that rubbery cushion serves to not only be a shock absorber for the other cartilage the cartilage that coats the end of your bone um, but it also helps serve as a rubber gasket so I'm Jewish, so yep. I have no idea what a rubber gasket is. I'm Jewish, so I have no idea what it's like to change the oil. But my dad was a carpenter, so I kind of learned a few things. So when you ever right. get your oil changed, they give you a bill for the oil, they give you a bill for the bolt, and they usually give you a bill for the ru- bill for the rubber gasket they'll charge you for. Because what right. happens when you change the oil, that metal pan that the oil is in, you can't just seal it with a metal bolt. It'll leak. So you, you have this rubber washer. You tighten it between the bolt and the oil pan. And as you tighten it, what happens? The, the rubber gasket gets fat on the outside and thin on the inside, and it keeps the seal. The oil doesn't come through that hole in the bottom of the pan. Capish? Right. Yeah, got it. Well, got when it. you actually look at your femur and your tibia, the motor oil that makes your knee move without friction, right, this lubricating motor called synovial fluid, what keeps it in the joint is a rubber gasket. You're going, what? How could it be a rubber gasket? Trust me. If you look at that black rubber wash it, washer on the bottom of your oil pan, this is the Clapper vision, fat on the outside, thin on the inside, it's a gasket keeping the motor oil from leaking, keeping the synovial fluid in your knee joint, that's what your meniscus okay. looks like. When you combine the medial and lateral meniscus and look at it, it's in essence a rubber gasket that keeps the, the synovial fluid in the joint. So it's not only a shock absorber, it helps keep the lubricating fluid in the joint. So if it okay. cracks or tears, now why would it crack? You know why it cracks? Take the back of your hand right now, Mr. Almost 60-year-old, and pinch the, the <laughs> skin on the back of your hand. You and I can wait for a half an hour for your skin to flatten. Now go oh, find yeah. a grandchild. Find a cute little five-year-old and pinch the back of their... Pinch their cheeks also, by the way, because this is what Jewish women love to do to little kids. They love to pinch their cheeks. <laughs> but pinch the back of the hand of that cutie pie, that little kid. Pinch the back of their hand, Mike. And you know what you'll see? Whack, Instantaneously, their skin flattens. Right. Because their elasticity, their hydration of the collagen and the mucopolysaccharides and and that marinara sauce that's around the, the spaghetti, the collagen fibers, is very rich in water. It's very hydrated. On an MRI, black and white film, we can see the water content. We can see the juicy marinara sauce. We can see that hydration very well when I MRI a 20-year-old. But go MRI, Mike, from Torrance. And now look at your meniscus on the MRI. You know what you're going to see? As we say in New York, forget about it. You're going to see what used to be rubbery is now stiff. But here's why I hate having patients 40 years old and older having their meniscus operated on. Because even though it's torn, even though it's not great, As long as you can fully straighten and bend, everyone has to calm down. The surgeon, the patient, everybody has to sit tight. Because, yeah, you're in pain. Yeah, it hurts. Too bad. Blisters hurt. But you need it to become a callus. Because even though the meniscus is torn and not great, you still need something. And the sooner they go in and take out your meniscus, now you got nothing. So guess what's going to happen? Back to the kitchen and the linoleum. Your linoleum yeah. is gone. Guess well,
0: what Dr. Giacobetti didn't take out the whole... Well, I know. Well, I'm, I'm it, just it, giving it you know. We don't we, don't we don't
1: have to get into an editorial here, but all I'm going to tell you is you now... What
0: can I do to... Um, I'm going to tell, tell you. I'm, I'm going to tell yeah, you. Something, I guess. There's
1: a book I wrote called Heal Your Knees. I wrote it with Lindy Yui, who's a world champion expert in pool exercises. It's going to be 100 degrees every day. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, half an hour, you're going to walk forwards and backwards in a pool. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you're going to buy yourself a Schwinn spinning bike. You don't need thousands of dollars for a Peloton. Schwinn spinning bike. Buy yourself a 60th birthday present. Put it in the living room. Half an hour. Don't do an hour. Half an hour, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, ride the bike. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, half an hour, belly button high water. You walk forwards, then you're going to walk backwards in a pool. Uh, You're not going to feel better, Mike, in a week or two. I promise you. Can't guarantee anything in life. I guarantee you, you will feel so much better one month, two months, three months into it, and that is your best way to avoid surgery. Do not let any of these guys talk you into cortisone, Synvisc, PRP. I got it. No needles. Go be holistic. Get the
0: book. Do the exercises. One other thing before you go, can I, does BioFlex stuff, the BioFlex stuff No, it's a bunch of,
1: listen, there's no shampoo growing hair on top of my head. You take, go on ESPN LA, take a look at what I look like. Believe me, I'd love to have Uh, a full head of hair. Do I have a full head of hair? No. No, So stop letting, you could see that that nonsense doesn't work. The dentist still has to pull your tooth. We ain't growing teeth. But let me tell you, we live in a world now where I could say, hey Mike, give me $10,000. I'm going to take something out of you, and I'm going to put something in, and you're going to be 20 years. They even call them anti-aging clinics. How could you do that? You and I are going right. to age no matter what they call the clinic. The reality is, is that's what happens to us. You can't turn so the clock. So what I
0: need, do you think, is in your experience, would I need knee surgery, down, Yes. replacement down yes. the road possible? There's a website that
1: I have. Go on the website. Go watch a woman the day after I did her implant on her knee riding a bike in the neighborhood. So don't you need to do some research. Learn the best way to take care of it. And if oh, you I'm want
0: grateful. No, I've written everything down here. If I've you want right
1: as busy as I am. I'm you won the prize today. You get to call my office if you want to get another opinion. I'm not here to solicit patients. But if you want me to tell you what your next step is, you call my office. You tell Arnie I said it's okay. So you don't have to wait 4 months. You can come see me if you want soon. I'll tell you what to do with your knee. All right?
0: How do I get your number to your office? Cedar
1: Sinai. <laughs> Cedar Sana, so, you can find who I, where I'm at, and you'll come see me. Tell Arnie okay. I said it's okay. All right, young man. Okay. Now, Michael. All right, I
0: appreciate that. You're a yeah.
1: total stranger. I never met you. I want you to find a total stranger today. You do something nice for Absolutely. them. That's how you be thanking no, me.
0: I'm with you. I've been sober 37 years. I help guys every day. Well, no, there you go. You'll that. go find it's a special one time. today.
1: Go find a guy Thank with no hair so on top much. of his head and go. I'm doing this. You know why I'm giving you this dollar? because Dr. Clapper told me I should take care of you, all right?
3: (laughs) All right, All right. God God. bless you, Mike.
1: Thanks for the kind words. All right, Warriors, let's talk about next week. My my guest next week is fascinating. They're all fascinating, but this guy is in the language business, the interpreter business. That's what he does for a living, so that legally you can have someone speak the language for legal cases, medical cases in the interpretation business. And he's going to be our guest, Eric Servita. So I started to think already, where in my world, my lifetime, is there the power of language? Well, there was a boxing match between Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard where the end of the fight, first of all, they fought once and then they had a rematch. Sugar Ray Leonard knew Roberto Duran liked to party and gain weight and go from 147 pounds to 200 pounds. So he right away says we need to do a rematch. Right away, knowing he would be out of shape. Well, they have the fight. You may not speak Spanish, but you know what no mas means. It means no more. But the very fact that Roberto Duran uttered those two words in Spanish meant he didn't wait for the referee to end the fight. He ended the fight. And to this day, Sugar Ray Leonard is bitter about that because that's the focus. It's a fascinating story. And what about in art? In art, La Bamba. Wait till I tell you that story with Richie Valens. And don't forget, I got to tell you about the pizza. It's called Pizzeria Sei, S-E-I. It's on Robertson and Pico. That's where the Tokyo pizza is. Love it. What a great time. What a great show today. Will, good job. Coming up next, I'm going to leave you with Volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying. Another powerful use of words. Until next Saturday, I'll see you on the radio.